13, 9. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandments are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The word of God for the people of God. Now read the new city catechism question number 11 with me. What, what does God, God require, require in the 6, 7, and 8 commandments? Six, that we, we do not hurt or hate or be hostile to our neighbor, but be patient and peaceful, pursuing even our enemies with love. We abstain from sexual immorality and live purely and faithfully, whether in marriage or in single life avoiding all impure actions, looks, words, thoughts, or desires, and whatever might lead to them. Eight, that we do not take without permission that which belongs to someone else, nor withhold any good from someone we might benefit. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome. It's good to see each one of you here today. Our text today was Romans 13, 9. We're looking at three commandments, uh, 6, 7th, and 8th. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, and you shall not steal. These commandments are listed in this verse in the New Testament, and it says that they're summed up in the word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. These commandments have to do have to do with how we treat our neighbor and as we read the requirements of the law we're just not looking <clears throat> at the commandment itself you shall not but also what is expected out of the commandment and as we read uh, in the catechism answer it's, it's quite a bit wasn't it it was it was pretty uh, demanding in its requirement maybe more so than what we thought it was. So we're going to look at these three commandments, and I want us to ponder them, not in great depth, each one of them, because that would take a long time, but we're going to look at them and see what some of the requirements were in the commandment, and we're going to look at it <clears throat> in light of Jesus' words, his comments on the commandments, and also in the light of of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we're living in today. So the first one is not murder. That's what the commandment looked like. There's just two words, not murder in the Hebrew. And there's a different word for that's used more uh, prominently for kill. And so murder is the better Hebrew word to use there. And as it's broken down, in the law, we see that there were uh, forms of killing uh, justly uh, that were allowed, but very specifically, it was murder and different forms of murder that were not allowed by God. <clears throat> One of them we can look at is in Exodus 21, 12 through 14. Whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death, but if he did not lie in wait for him, 
So you see that aspect of it, that lying in wait, that premeditated, what we would describe today as premeditated murder here. Uh, it says, uh, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place to which he may flee. So he would go there and await basically justice and trial so that the family wouldn't just immediately take out justice uh, upon uh, the, the murderer. Uh, and then it goes on and says, but if a man willfully attacks another to kill him by cunning, so willfully attacks by cunning, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. So this has to do with an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It was justice that God saw murder as something that required the life of the one who commits the murder. And it broke down in all kinds of ways. They had uh, accidental uh, deaths. They had manslaughter, what we would call manslaughter laws. Uh, and so all of it breaks down into what is murder. There was also uh, in this uh, a law against uh, a baby within the womb all the way back then, which I found really interesting in Exodus 21, 22 through 24. It says, when men strive together, and hit a pregnant woman so that her child, come, ch child comes out, but there is no harm. The one who hit her shall surely be fined. <clears throat> so there was punishments for that. And as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, then he shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. So God was really establishing that life begins at conception, life, uh, even though science proves that, but that life within the womb is precious. And he held, if men fighting together struck a pregnant woman and that child die, you were held accountable as a murderer. And so the law is strict in, 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 in many ways as we've studied all of the commandments. Uh, just interesting, there was liability uh, even for your animals uh, in the scripture. In Exodus 21, they're explaining the Ten Commandments given in Exodus 20. And it says, when an ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall be stoned and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall not be liable. But if the ox has been accustomed to a gore in the past and its owner has been warned but has not kept it in, and it kills a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned and its owner shall be put to death. Pretty harsh. It's, it's you know, like that. Um, so murder here would be seen as neglig negligence. If you know this animal was killed in the past and you haven't done anything about it, that animal kills again, then the judgment's very different than if it's just an accidental first one-time happening. So murder does involve uh, things, uh, liability for things that you're aware of, negligence. And most of our society agrees with actually a lot of these. Uh, we still carry them out. You know, your dog bites somebody, buddy. You know, I mean, that's your responsibility. And it's even worse if that dog is bitten before and you take it into court. And they're like, oh, yeah. So it's interesting how our society still keeps a lot of these laws. And one of the ones that they actually do like is this one that we're looking at today on murder. Almost 
uh, of Western culture uh, will say murder is wrong and they should be judged. And uh, that our society can't operate with people going around willfully killing innocent people. And so they, they all kind of are still sticking with this one. Uh, they might not look at it as, as uh, what the commandment does. The commandment re uh, reveals that God is a God of justice. Uh, and, this p and the penalty ma matches the level of the crime. The commandment is teaching that life is precious and that God hates murder. But the commandment also teaches that God hates the root of murder. So what's at the root of murder? Like why do people in their heart murder that way? What's going on in the heart of humans? Jesus gets at this root in the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew 5, 21 through 22, Jesus says, you have heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. He's carrying out that same judgment if you're angry with your brother. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So Jesus is in no way abolishing any of the commandments. He's actually going at the heart of the matter that God is after. God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God is always looking at the heart. He's not looking at just the outward action. The outward action of murder is forbidden, but he's looking at what caused the motive of that person's heart to commit murder. That was where the sin was rooted. It was rooted in something, and he's after the human soul, the heart, the mind, where their thoughts are. And Jesus is going after that because people will tend to justify themselves like we might have when we heard you shall not murder. Good one. I like that one. That third one was kind of tough, right? You know, not taking the Lord's name in vain. Sometimes we say things and our mouth gets out of control. But this one, I got it. Not murder. I haven't killed anybody. Good. Uh, and then Jesus goes after us, doesn't he? He goes after the root of murder. And he goes after anger in our hearts. And man, do all of us get angry? I think we do. Puts us all. Now remember, he's speaking to several people and on several different occasions it's pharisees who do justify themselves and do feel like they're keeping the commands and he's going after them and saying they don't he's going after their hearts jesus said whoever insults his brother we used to practice that growing up with my brothers like who could insult the other one the worst we had you know kind of nice words we didn't use like the big cuss words we used our own lingo that we knew would really sting really insult the one and we just did it you know it was like you know being mean anger insults you fool calling somebody a fool i think sometimes we do that when we're driving don't we 
I had a hard time. Teresa's such a better, more patient driver. I get on the interstate, and I think, we went to a conference last week, I think that the left lane on the interstate's for passing people, not just <laughs> driving there. And, uh, and then when you finally get a chance to pass somebody, <coughs> there's a, a line of trucks, and this one decides to pass this one. That's going to take about 10 minutes for him to get around the person, so you're just stuck behind them again. And, uh, <laughs> and you might, it, 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 it's, it's, it's interesting that, like, you fool. Look, I'm in a car. I can get by you in like a couple of seconds. Then you can spend your 10 minutes trying to pass somebody. You know, I mean, really, what's at that? What's at that root of, of our heart? And I think our text is saying that the root of all the commandments I want you to keep in mind is to love your neighbor as yourself. He wants to get around. This is his one opportunity to get around. He's been waiting behind this person. He's right directly behind them. And he decides to pull out to make his time to pass when he can. He's got much more important uh, cargo to get somewhere than I do. I'm just in my car. But we don't. We're, we don't love our neighbor as ourselves. We don't see things from their perspective and, and love them. We say, you fool, get out of my way, you slow driver. What are you doing in the left lane? Get over. And, it, and if we don't say it verbally, which I actually did several times, which Teresa corrected me and told me not to do that and to be quiet and just relax and enjoy the drive, um, I would say it falls under the core of the root of what God's after in this command. We shall not murder really that simply that that type of anger that kind of speaking that kind of thinking that kind of plotting that kind of hate that kind of insult god's after that in this commandment and he doesn't like it and he says it'll fall under his judgment like the judgment of a murderer who physically murders somebody you'll be subject to hellfire that's what jesus says you'll be subject to that there will be no murderers in heaven and in my kingdom. I thought I was just kind of going on a rant, letting my anger kind of fall out. But that anger leads to murder, and Jesus is going after anger. I used to think, those people are making me angry. It's not me. The Bible really goes after the heart and says, no, you're angry. Take responsibility for the anger that's in your heart. They're not making you angry. You can deal with it in a good, healthy way if you wanted to. They're not making you angry. That was a hard one for me to get. But rather than blaming others, you take responsibility for the anger that's in your heart and you let God begin to deal with it. And that's what Jesus is after, where we humble ourselves and let him work on our hearts. He talks about first go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer the guilt. So when you're uh, come and offer the gift, so you're offering gifts. Uh, Jesus is talking about making uh, quick uh, your forgiveness. If you're coming to the altar and you're giving praise to God and you realize in your heart you have anger towards your brother, go and reconcile first. I would rather you reconcile first then bring me the gift. Yes, I love your gift. I love your offering to me, but I'd rather you reconcile first. See, don't let that anger, this is the same subject he's talking about, just brew there. Let's deal with that first, and then let's get into 
your praise and your worship and your offerings to me. Go and reconcile first. Reconciliation, a priority. Anger stuffed. Anger pushed down is only going to keep erupting in all kinds of ways and negative ways. And it is at the root of murder. And that's what's happening in your heart. Murderous insults. Murderous, you fool. Murderous thoughts. And forgiveness is a key out of it. Reconciliation is the key out of it. Jesus is offering that up in the same context. See, bitterness and unforgiveness poison the heart. And they're at the root of murder. Hebrews 12 says, see to it that you obtain the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and that by it many become defiled. The root of bitterness uh, stems from just stuffing things. It's a root down in there that the Bible warns again. Let the grace of God and the forgiveness of God that we read in our um, liturgy today that Teresa read from Colossians about how to forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones in our New City Catechism quoted this kind of thing that we think about murder. I haven't been a murder. He says, they claimed that they had never committed murder. Wait, wait a minute. Jesus said, our Lord said, have you ever said to your brother, thou fool? If you have, you are guilty of murder. Murder does not only mean actual, physically killing a man. It means that bitterness and hatred in your heart. Great preaching, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Sixth, here's what it says when we read in our catechism, that we do not hurt, see, it's hurt, or hate, it's that hate, or be hostile, being hostile to our neighbor. But what? So with every negative in the law, there is a positive expectation. So what are we supposed to do? To be patient, peaceful, pursuing our own enemies with love. That's what Jesus is going to get into later in the Sermon on the Mount, about how to love our enemies. When we love our neighbor, we love. And so when our text in Romans that we read today, and it's summing up, you shall not murder with loving your neighbor, saying love them. Not just don't do. Well, I haven't killed them. I haven't gone over there and killed them yet. But it's not just saying that. It's saying love them. Do to them as you would do for yourself. In all manners and all ways. So you shall not commit adultery. Now that one our society doesn't like. Uh, and our society belittles it quite a bit. And so it's not the same as you shall not murder. They think that our society can operate quite well with this one uh, going on as they would like. Don't meddle there. And but yet there are a lot of people. I had a friend in my 20s. He had become a Christian. And even by that time, he had been quite uh, the ladies man. And he was talking about that. And he said, but, you know, now I've become a Christian. I've put away those ways. And I was like, great. And he said, but, you know, when we got into studying the commandments, he said, you know, that one, do not commit adultery. I never did that. And he told me about all of his exploits. And I said, really, you didn't do that? He said, no, I never slept with a married woman. That was one thing where I would not go. And I said, so that's what you think the commandment means? Yeah, not adultery. Don't sleep with a married woman. And in other ways, he was justifying himself like, you know, I'm a Christian now. I did a lot of bad things, but I didn't actually break that commandment. And as we'll see Yes, he did, very much. And so anyway, it's just a, it's a way of like how we are. 
We want to get to at least one of the commandments that we keep pretty well, right? And that we didn't break. But Jesus is just saying, you're breaking them. And you're breaking them all the time. And you're breaking them when you don't even think you're breaking them. You're breaking the commands. And you'll either humble yourself to that and repent, or you'll try to justify yourself. Say, no, I have it. So our society has a a very charged up sexuality. It's hard to drive anywhere without seeing a billboard or movie or a halftime or anything without sex in your face. Sexual um, things are all around. And this uh, adultery has to do with more than just sex with a, uh, outside of your marriage vows. What is God requiring? Once again, he's after the heart. And you could look at a lot of Old Testament uh, things like we did with murder. There's a lot of establishments about the sexually uh, pure person and about how to love your neighbor. But what Jesus goes after once again is the heart. And he basically is categorizing this with all forms of that adultery, you shall not commit adultery, are all forms of lust. And that's the wording that he uses. So in Matthew 5, 27, 28, he says, You have heard it said that you should be said you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, having lust in their heart, he's going after the heart again, just like the murderous root of heart is anger, uh, insults, vindictiveness. He's going after the heart of adultery and saying that's the heart that God wants to change. Not just the outward, exterior, polishing it up, Pharisees. I want your heart to be mine. That's what God wanted all along. Yes, the outward carrying out of it is wrong. You shall not commit adultery. But all these forms of lustful intent are wrong. And God is going after them. And Jesus is breaking them down and says that this lustful intent That when you have that, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Again, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones in our quote, uh, Jesus shows that an evil desire is as damnable as a deed. A thought and an imagination are as reprehensible in the sight of God as the act committed. And that's what Jesus is trying to bring out. In God's eyes, we cross the line when we meditate on and have lustful intent and desire towards. God's command against adultery is against all sexual immorality. When you get into the New Testament, there's several places that break down sexual immorality and not just adultery. Galatians 5 says the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. It's breaking down all these forms of lust. Sexual immorality, maybe some of you uh, have studied, uh, is is the word in Greek, porneia, uh, which we get our word pornography from. Sexual immorality, lust, lustful intent. uh, uh. And then Jesus said just before this in Matthew 5, he said, blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. I like what Kevin DeYoung said in his book, The Gospel We Almost Forgot. He does a breakdown of the Heidelberg Catechism, which this New City Catechism is based on. And in the Heidelberg Catechism on adultery and 
in this book, Kevin DeYoung says, do we believe that a glimpse of God is better than a glimpse of skin? Do we really believe that? The pure in heart shall see God. Do we believe that that is more worthily attainable than pornography and a glimpse of skin? Which one's more important to us? This is what God's after. He's after our heart. Will we have lust or will we have love for him and love for our neighbor? Lusting after your neighbor is not loving your neighbor. They do not go together. Kevin DeYoung went on to say that, they, that we keep our eyes pure. He goes on and, and breaks down how Jesus went on to say that if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Better to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go to hell. He's saying these things are dangerous and they lead to hell. And Kevin DeYoung in that, he said, his quote on that was, there are too many whole-bodied people going to hell and not enough spiritual amputees going to heaven. I thought that was great. Are we willing to really see the dangers because our culture just bombards us with, and it's becoming very uh, prominent, all of the sexual impurities within Christians today, accepting it, accepting uh, just everything that our culture is accepting, and all the sexual perversions, a lot of people think, well, it just says don't commit adultery, and I'm not doing that. But it's really talking about sexual immorality. It's about the lustful intent in our heart that God wants and is after. Jesus said that, in Matthew 15, 18, so a lot later, outside of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. So he's talking about what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and that defiles him. He says, the deed defiles you too. He says, you shall not commit adultery, but there's all kinds of things that come out of the mouth that come from the heart that defile you. And what Jesus says is, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, again, porneia, theft, we're going to talk about not stealing next, false witness, slander. Jesus is saying that it begins at the root of our heart, and that is what Jesus is after, and what God was after originally in the commandments. But people had taken them and just made some kind of exterior polish to them and had deluded themselves in that they were keeping them when they weren't. So we get into, again, the closure of the seventh one that we, in our catechism, what we read. Seventh, that we abstain from sexual immorality. And we don't just abstain, but what do we do? We live purely and faithfully, whether in marriage or in single life avoiding this is what we read and this is really what the intent of what jesus was teaching says avoiding all impure actions looks words thoughts or desires and whatever might lead to them keep yourself away from things that you know will cause you and lead you into stumbling in these areas and so we get into the eighth you shall not steal i got this one right Whew. Never broken into anybody's house, robbed them. I've never shoplifted, although I have as a kid, so I can't even say that. But I'm saying other people in their mind. As a little kid, we had little schemes. We were poor, and we'd go into 7-Eleven, and 
you know, one of our friends would go over there with a nickel, and that'd buy you quite a bit back then. And he'd buy you stuff, and then we like we'd plot it. Then we go around, and you get something. If you don't got any money, and then get it, and we'll come out. And uh, uh, of course, by God's grace, we got caught. And most of my friends got off scot free, <laughs> and I didn't. I got the wrath of God that came down upon me, and I knew that stealing was not right. So even I've done that, but a lot of people haven't. They've never shoplifted. They've never. I've talked to people. They're like, I've never broken. Thou shalt not steal. Never broken in, robbed anybody. Uh, never shoplifted. Never taken anything. But even in the Old Testament, there's these real detailed breakdowns of what is stealing just goes into all these things about like when you're measuring something and you get the little weights a little off and you shave a little bit off and you're weighing oh yeah i'll give you this for that yep and here's your money oh it's just a little bit you know i just shaved a little bit off the weight so i'm actually getting a little bit more than what i'm giving them and paying them for stealer that's what the bible says thief no no i just you know and you know it's like business practices today i just did this and i did that and it's a way that i made more money in my business i didn't do anything wrong that's everyone else is doing it right same thing, measuring, measurements, all those things could be. And God calls out thieves, even paying somebody right, not giving them the fair wage that they deserve, when they deserved it, even delaying the payment of that payment to them. Thief! That's what the Bible goes after stuff. And brother, man, whew, it's hard, man. I, studying this is actually hard. I'd rather move on to the next subjects because all week long I feel the weight of these things. And it's good. I think we need to feel the weight because we need to recognize our need for a Savior and quit trying to justify ourselves that we stand holy before God when we don't. We stand holy in Christ. It's not I, but Christ in me. We sang that this morning. It's not I. I thought I kind of did some good thing. It's not me. It's Christ in me. The goodness is Christ in me. That's what Jesus is going after. Feel the weight. Galatians says that the laws. The commandments are a tutor that lead us to Christ. They are to weight us down and say we fall short, but our society is self-justifying. And in this area also, in stealing, when Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, half of all of my possessions I'll give to the poor. If anyone I've cheated, I'll repay a fourfold. That was the law. When you stole, you actually poured, paid back more than you took. Do you know that? Restitution required that. And he's living in that. But he's also going way beyond that. He's just not stealing. He's generously giving. And Jesus goes, wow. Wouldn't you like to have been one of the persons that made Jesus go, wow, in your life? A tax collector? He says, salvation has come to this house today. Look at this, man. This guy's going to give all of his wealth. Chief tax collector. And he was skimming and taking more. And Jesus came into his house. And it wasn't just not stealing anymore. It was generous giving. I'm going to take half of all I have and give it to the poor. Wow, Jesus says wow salvation has come that's what jesus is after he's not after our outward like i have never broken in i have never shoplifted i am good before god in any of these areas he's after a heart that we love this right 
I just take all the commandments and say, love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love my neighbors myself, right? Reduce it down to that. Then try to do it. And that's what our text in Romans 13, 9 is saying today. Take all those commandments and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, reduce it down to that and actually do it. Do it like the Bible commands you to do it. Yeah, simplify it to that. Love your neighbor like yourself and then do it. Go out of your way to do for them what you would do for yourself. That good. But it doesn't necessarily make it easy reducing it down to love your neighbor as yourself the commandments are demanding these things Stephen um one of the other new city commentaries talks about luther and that luther said that when there was a negative prohibition in the ten commandments a positive implication is assumed Therefore, when it says you ought not to steal, the understanding is that you ought to be radically generous. Radically. That's what Zacchaeus was. Giving half of all I got to the poor. That's, you know. You're just radical generous. It's like Teresa's always better at that, you know. For this cause, let's give. And I'll try to think of this big number that's going to hurt. You know, 200. And she'll be like, I was thinking 400. Like, dang it. You know, <laughs> it's like, because she's way more radically generous than I am. I love this scripture in Ephesians 4. Let the thief no longer steal. So Paul could say, let the thief no longer steal. Why? Say, because Eighth Commandment says, you shall not steal. It's right in your face. But he doesn't do that. He says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. You know, some people steal because it's a thrill. Can I get away with it? And what Paul is teaching here is let the thief no longer steal because I will give you a greater thrill than that thrill of stealing. Work really hard. Make extra money, not just for you and your own and your savings account, but work so hard that you have enough left over to give someone in need. And I'm telling you, that's going to thrill your heart to be able to do that. This is the expulsive power of a greater affection, Thomas Chalmers. It's like going after something and saying, you don't just replace it with you shall not, but you need a positive implication of what that means and actually do honest work enjoy working hard with your hands not just to give for yourself but be able to give to someone in need and i'm telling you that will thrill your heart it's more blessed to give than to receive you'll actually love being able to do that you'll love your work because you're working not just for yourself but you're working to radically give to somebody else in need that'll thrill your heart i worked with some some guys here and they'd all gotten out of jail and prisons and and i was working with a couple of guys and they came to church here for a long time we went out and did all this and they had carpenter skills and all these skills and they were busting it man they were like going in people helping widows you know people that didn't have any money and going in and helping in their homes and helping all these things and they did great in their changed life getting out of prison and as they did they eventually got back into their jobs and got back into their work 
and they fell back into their addictions. And I was talking to one of them. He said, I really liked it when I was working for free. And we went around to all these people's houses and we just did it. And uh, I was so happy and full of joy. And I was able to live in my sobriety and away from my addictions. But as soon as I started getting paid for it all, I fell back into my addictions. And I said, well, did you ever give any of the money that you made away? Did you ever hear this scripture that you could work hard honestly and provide for your basic needs, but then joyfully give it away to people in need? No. I was just taking it all, just buying my stuff, and work just became work for me and myself and my provision, and then my drugs again, and then my life, and then all of my own pleasures restored into them again. And what this and Jesus is trying to get us out of is outside of ourself. We need a thrill to overcome with the thrill of radical giving so that we don't steal. And it's a way of finding joy in honest work. All of these things deserve, and these sins deserve death. And the wages of sin is death, and the weight of it is death. But Romans 6.23 goes on and says, But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And there is great hope. I've already mentioned one, and one of them is radical forgiveness, quick forgiveness, going in and reconciling with people when the moment is right. And that moment is quickly everywhere it says that. Even in our, our, our portion of Scripture that we looked in, in chapter 4 of Ephesians, it says, Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't even let that day end when you've had that, that you don't repent and go and reconcile. That was one of the greatest uh, counseling that Teresa and I got, premarital counseling. We were young, and, and the, the man was really old then. He was 72 years old. I know some of you are that age, but really super old. And him and his wife were so wise, and they said, you know, the main thing is not to go to bed angry at each other. That was, that was one of his pieces of advice, because he, he was like trying to talk us out of it. We were too young, too young. Don't do it. Teresa, you know, do this. Wait, wait. And then he said, well, we're not going to. <laughs> and so finally he, he said, okay, if you are, don't ever go to bed angry. Resolve your issues. Don't let that anger breed and that murder and then that contempt and that just hatred for each other. Marriage is so hard, and you can't deal with it with a big baggage of anger. And so we need to uh, be quick to reconcile. Jesus is after that in the Sermon on the Mount and many other places the Scripture is out to bring forgiveness one of the other things i want us just to briefly look at is that who we are in christ we're new creations i want you just to meditate and soak in these scriptures therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come look for the new that is come in christ when that anger rises in your heart look for the new who you are in christ when that sexual immorality arises who you are Look at what scripture says about you in Christ when you think about cheating somebody out of what they rightfully deserve or giving something generously to somebody in need. Think about it, who you are in Christ. I wouldn't do it, but I'm in Christ, and he would, and I'm going to do it. Think about that. Think about a Second Peter 1, 3, 3-4. It says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us 
his precious and very great promises that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Don't you love that the Bible is saying and Peter is saying you've escaped that corruption that's in the world because of evil desire because he's given you a divine nature in Christ. We sing about that this morning too. He's in me. I don't have to respond that old way. He's in me. I have a divine nature. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm partakers of his divine nature. Ezekiel put it this way, I'll give you a new heart. See, Jesus was always going after the heart. Here's the problem. It's your heart. The anger's in there. You need a new heart. You need a transplant. You need my divine nature in you. And Ezekiel says, I'll give you a new heart. And a new spirit I'll put within you. I'll remove the heart of stone, that calloused one that's always trying to justify itself. Commit sins unknowingly, but I'll give you a heart of flesh. Senses and knows my presence. We sing about that today too, about God's presence in our lives. Know that his presence is near. And his word in Hebrew says, I'll put my laws in their minds. I'll think about the commandments. All of my laws will be in their minds and I'll write them on their heart. They'll want to do them from the inside out, not just the outside in. I'll transform you. I'll make you a new creation. I'll give you a new heart. These are powerful scriptures about who you are in Christ to overcome sin. The curtain is torn when Jesus died. And it's, and it's for God announcing, come on in. Come to my presence. And the offer still stands today. Amen. Let us partake communion together. We have these on the seats in front of you or in cups around you. One of the things we do in communion is we remember the Lord's death until he comes. We remember what Jesus accomplished at the cross, dying in the place that we deserve to die. Jesus died in our place. We're commandment breakers, and we deserve death. That's what the law says. Jesus was the only commandment keeper. He perfectly fulfilled the commandments, and he perfectly pleased the Father in all of his holy nature. And we can only stand justified in Jesus. And when we take communion, we remember that. We remember his body that he offered and his blood that he shed for our sins. And the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks to the Father for it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Let us partake together. son that he offered up pure and spotless lamb of god without sin and our sin ridden place so many sins we don't even know we've committed jesus died for them all we thank you and praise you the perfect body of your son
In like manner, he took the cup, and he said, this is the cup of a new covenant in my blood, given for the remission of sins. Take and drink of it, and when you do, do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake of the cup together. We thank you, Father, for the life of your Son, the lifeblood of Jesus. And we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Let us worship you with hearts that are made right before you in Jesus' body and blood. In Jesus' name, amen.